It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. It is another gray day here after a pretty nice day. Last couple, not too bad, but today uh, it's 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 cold. It's cold here at Lexington right now, 24 degrees. And uh, if you are anywhere west of about Grand Island, it's definitely cold. Scott Foster in here with you, along with Jason Jorgensen and Susan Littlefield. Bob Brogan uh, is going to show up, I'm sure. He'll get here eventually, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But Susan's here. How are you today, Susan? Uh, good. Boy, the weather sure changed fast, didn't it? You know, I don't know if you heard me say earlier, but right now it's it's 16 degrees in Shadron and 66 degrees in Plattsmouth. So, That's uh, crazy. Yeah, a lot of variety in Nebraska right now. <laughs> what do you got for us, Susan? Well, well, I wish I could say I had variety for the midday. I'm sure you can guesstimate what the discussion is going to be. And, of course, we'll kick it all off at 1219 as Chabella talks with three folks about custom harvesting and what COVID-19 is going to mean to them. Then we get a special report from fellow farm broadcaster Brian Winnikins, who is also an affiliate of ours. As you may have heard on the news, they're dumping milk in Wisconsin. We're going to find out what that all has to do with COVID-19. And then we'll wrap it all up with my conversation with the interim dean at NCTA, Curtis, uh, Kelly Bruns, as we talk about what they're doing, a new thing for them, this online learning, especially with NCTA being such a hands-on college. I'll talk about how they're tackling that challenge. Now, you uh, were in Wisconsin. That's that's sacrilege, isn't it, to dump milk in Wisconsin? It, it is, both Minnesota and Wisconsin. Yeah. It's But they're doing it, and DFA is, is a part of this, and I think in many ways it's bringing some good awareness, but it's... It's disheartening to watch those big tankers oh, dumping yeah. the milk into the lagoons. Oh, awful. All right. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate it. You're you're welcome. All right. Jason Jorgensen's uh, here. You can tell us a little bit about news. Uh, good news for Jordan Larson and certainly a worthy thing. Yeah, she will be going into the Nebraska Athletic Hall of Fame this fall. The university in the past, they've kind of announced everybody at one time. They're kind of stretching out and wanting to make news and to it. Probably makes more sense to stretch it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like there's anything else happening. Well, and the football guys are going to get most of the press that way, typically. So. True, yeah, yes. Yeah. But uh, she will be going in. Hopefully, we'll have a chance to talk to her tomorrow and then oh. uh, have that conversation for everybody next week. I remember watching her at the state tournament. Uh, Kozad made it to the state tournament. Oh, yeah. and unfortunately, the year they made it, they had to take on Jordan uh, Larson and her high school team. Oh, wow. And that match didn't last very long. <laughs> and I remember watching that as Jordan pretty much single-handedly won the match sure, herself sure. and uh, thinking, you know, she, she could be okay. I think she's going to be all right. Yeah. Oh, boy, she was a force for sure. That was a match in Lincoln that maybe took 40 minutes. Wow. But that's how dominant of a high school player she was. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Also, we'll talk about the NCAA extending the uh, the uh, dead time here. Mm-hmm. No on-campus or off-campus recruiting. That's making it a little difficult uh, for coaches and prospective players across yeah. the country. That's going to be different. All right. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. We turn it over to Bob Brogan. Stock's up today. Stock's up a little bit in training on Wall Street. That's got to make people feel a little bit better, even though we don't have sunny weather. Um, news from the Labor Department out that more than 6.6 million people applied for unemployment recently. And more than 6.6 million Americans 
as we said, applied for those unemployment benefits. That has several ramifications. All right. Very good. That's all coming up on Midland. KRVN 93.1 The River and Cami announce a new resource on KRVN.com. The Love Local Business and Services Guide. Let's focus on what we can do. Listed are new hours, pickup and delivery options. Also special services and community events. Please keep limiting group contact while still supporting these local businesses, churches, and service organizations. Help us keep money where our hearts are. Love Local at KRVN.com. If you'd like to be included, email lovelocal at krvn.com. It is time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. We've got uh, Paul Perkins in here with us. What a uh, <laughs> what a what a crazy looking day as we look across the uh, map right now. Yeah, northwest to southeast Nebraska, huge difference in temperatures. It's 14 to the southwest of Scotts Bluff at Pine Bluff. Otherwise, it's up to 67 and sunny in Nebraska City and Plattsmouth in the very southeast part of Nebraska. You know, I would. 53 degree temperature spread there. And I, I, I said just about an hour ago to Bryce, I said there at the, at uh, our Lincoln campus, I said to him, I said, it's coming. He said, we're not accepting it. And it, they got it now. So it's down to 49 in the capital city. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's already a big difference in the temperatures between Lincoln and uh, Nebraska City and yeah. uh, Plattsmouth there. Uh, temperatures uh, 18 degrees cooler in Lincoln with 49, but 67 towards Nebraska City and Plattsmouth. Just unbelievable weather. A big push of strong cold air moving through the region. It is kicking up a little bit of light rain, probably some freezing moisture in the way of some light snow to the south of Neely in northeast Nebraska, also to the northeast of O'Neill. But those temperatures ranging, once again, in the upper teens to low 20s and much of the Nebraska panhandle into west-central Nebraska and all the way as far east as the O'Neill, Ord, and Broken Bow area. Much of central Nebraska right now into northwest Kansas with temperatures in the mid to upper 20s. We do have some low and mid-30s from Grand Island and Aurora and York down to Hastings and Hill City in central Kansas. But then those temperatures in the 40s from Fremont down through Lincoln and Hebron, and then temperatures in the 60s, southeast Nebraska into much of eastern Kansas, up to 67 also right now in the Manhattan area. And we will continue to see that cold air push to the south. It did arrive a little bit earlier than the forecast models indicated. We will stay on the cloudy side today, breezy with those steadier dropping temperatures as that cold air pushes to the south. Rain and a wintry mix will be possible in mainly central and western areas. Uh, of course, we are seeing some already slick conditions on bridges and overpasses and a coating of ice in many locations. That ground, though, still on the warm side, so that is preventing us from seeing too much in the way of slick conditions on streets and sidewalks and highways across the area. But that will be changing as we get that bigger push of cold air because precipitation tonight through early tomorrow morning will be mainly a mix of freezing drizzle and light snow. Any snow accumulations on the light side possibility of one to two inches of snow in northwest Nebraska. Because of that freezing mix of moisture, we're expecting a winter weather advisory is in effect for all of Nebraska and north central Kansas through mid-morning tomorrow. High pressure quickly builds in for dry conditions tomorrow through Saturday. As south winds kick in Saturday on the backside of that high, a warming trend gets underway. Temperatures Saturday slightly cooler than usual, but then we'll see temperatures warm by Monday and Tuesday to as much as 10 to 15 degrees above normal. Small chances of mainly rain are back for Saturday night through Sunday night with some weak disturbances. 
If it's cold enough Saturday night, a little snow may mix in. A stronger disturbance Sunday night could trigger a thunderstorm. In our long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures will stay warmer than normal through the middle of next week. A trend to seasonal to slightly cooler than normal temperatures will run from late next week through April 15th. Above normal precipitation remains likely Tuesday through the 15th for not only Nebraska and Kansas, but all of the U.S., with the exception of the Pacific Northwest. Nebraska continues to be 96% drought-free. It remains abnormally dry along its southwest of a line from Sydney to Imperial and McCook. Kansas still at 86% drought-free. Northwest Kansas and parts of the southwest are abnormally dry. Much of southwest Kansas is the driest with moderate to severe drought. Key weather factors driving market trade include chances for wet weather in the Midwest, slowing down the field work, and mostly dry weather in Brazil. A slow-moving storm over the north-central U.S. will result in a variety of weather in the next couple of days. The primary threat, wind-driven wintry precipitation, including snow and freezing rain, leading to travel disruptions and increased livestock stress across the northern half of the plains and the upper Midwest. Midwest field work will also continue to be delayed by the additional periods of rain over the next week to 10 days. The northern plains combination of well below normal temperatures and moderate ice and snow over eastern sections will bring a new delay to their field work and also delay the corn harvest. They still, of course, have corn in the field in parts of the Dakotas. Northern plains temperatures will rise closer to normal briefly next week before it goes back to possibly much below normal. In the southern plains, western areas continue to need moisture for winter wheat, now in the post-dormant stage, but very little precipitation expected. The delta will get a small period of time to get in the fields before precipitation returns over the weekend and continues into next week. Brazil scattered light rain today and tomorrow will keep the precipitation below normal. Central Brazil may see stress to second crop corn because of limited moisture. Southern areas of Brazil already expect crop loss from previously dry weather. Once again, if you do want to see the winter weather advisory and some of that information, we do have it posted on the Facebook page for krvn.com. But a winter weather advisory in effect for today, all through tonight, and then through the middle part of morning tomorrow. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, it's um, it's not a lot of fun out there right now, to be very honest with you. It's a good day to stay inside, which we're supposed to do anyway. Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> Easy to social distance today. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. Cop. The normal activities of agriculture during spring are happening, but the shadow of uncertainty, which is COVID-19, has many producers wondering about the future. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Cole Emke, University of Wyoming Extension Rural Entrepreneurship Specialist, says the initial impact of COVID-19 was on retail and restaurants, but now he says there is a sense of how it will affect agriculture. And they come from a number of sources. Some of them are going to be labor. Uh, like custom cutting crews coming through and they may not be able to make it or, or they may not be able to source the crews in their regular places from the regular sources. Some of them are going to, some of the risks are going to be supply oriented. And if we're sourcing stuff from abroad, then there's even further risks. So there's a lot of unknowns that we're trying to sort out. For agriculture, labor has always been a big issue. And one area which is already feeling the effects of COVID-19 is custom harvesting, which includes forages and grains. Glenn Jansen of Jansen Harvesting and president of U.S. Custom Harvesters says labor issues are already affecting custom harvesters. Some of the harvesting, especially for the forage people, has started already 
well over a month ago and is ongoing right now. Uh, a lot of the grain harvest, especially in the wheat harvest, is going to start here. Oh, it usually doesn't start until early to mid-May. And so that has, has just a little while yet before that starts. But all of us have to do, all of us have to have help. That's, that's what we provide is we provide the equipment and the labor to harvest crops. Jansen says the relaxing of some of the H-2A regulations has helped, but there is also the issue of driving and crossing state lines, which have different COVID-19 guidelines. There's a lot of uh, travel orders in place that people are concerned about. There's also the the problem of trying to get uh, a lot of us uh, use trucks, and we've got to have CDL or commercial driver's licenses. And so many states have ban- have shut down all of the driver's testing so how do you test drivers to get them a legal driver's license for for doing that and so that's that's a big concern as well so we've got help and we've got driver's licensing and and then you got to remember all of us are traveling with it varies greatly from five to a hundred people and you have to have a place to stay and you have to be able to feed them it's it's challenging and while some custom harvesters are busy with logistics, Loretta Rowland, co-owner of Rowland Harvesting of Hemingford, says they have a pretty good crew already. Usually we're pretty lucky, um, have a fairly good reputation, and so kids are eager to work for us. Um, in the past, we've had a lot of relatives that have worked for us, so we're pretty fortunate in that aspect. Two of the individuals that were with us last year are planning on returning again this year, and they live right here in the Panhandle or right here in the area. As a family business, Roland's son, Brandon, manages the crew, and Loretta says she worries as an employer and a mother for her son's safety and the entire crew as COVID-19 stretches across the U.S. Well, in the years past, we've always taken a camper, so they would have their own domain, and they're lucky enough that you know, they can do a little cooking. Um, you know, it's it's pretty remote where we go. So most of them are customers that we will return to that we've cut. You know, like we've been in business 40 years, so a lot of these customers we've had forever. I don't know. The main thing is these crops are going to have to get in because America is going to have to eat. God bless America. We'll get through this. You know, God's got it, so... We'll get through it. And while Roland Harvesters won't begin work until June, there is still apprehension about the coming months. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. If you haven't visited the Agri-Virtual Trade Show at KRVN.com, it's not too late. The vendor booths have extended their hours, and each vendor booth has videos that feature the latest in technology, equipment, services, and employment opportunities. And you can still get your name in the registration to win a $600 go-light. You can register in each booth, and the more booths you visit, the more chances you have to win. Check out the Agri-Virtual Trade Show today. From the office, the pickup, or the cab of your tractor, you can find it at KRVN.com. It's time for sports. Is our own Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks. Well, volleyball standout Jordan Larson was announced as the second member of this year's Nebraska Athletic Hall of Fame class yesterday. Larson is the first of five student athletes who will be recognized because she was a standout on some of the greatest teams in program history from 2005 to 2008. 
Larson then went on to a decorated international career. She was a two-time Olympic medalist, helping Team USA to a silver medal in 2012 and a bronze medal in 2016. Also entering the Hall of Fame this fall will be former head coach Terry Pettit, and he talks about the attitude he had when he coached the Big Red. I, I don't know that I ever entered a match where I didn't see a path to win. Uh, I didn't focus on that, but I, I never I never recall entering a match where I didn't feel we had the better setter or entering a match where I didn't feel we had as good or better athletes. Pettit coached NU for 23 years and led the Huskers to the 1995 national title. He was a guest last night on Sports Nightly. Well, this past fall was another big one for NU and UNK Volleyball. The Huskers and Lopers led Division One and Division Two in attendance. Nebraska averaged over 8,100 fans per game, while UNK led all of Division Two with over 950 fans per night. It's the 15th time UNK has led Division Two, and the seventh year in a row that Nebraska has led D1. Well, last month, the NCAA decided to suspend on- and off-campus recruiting until April 15th due to the pandemic. However, on the first day of April, the NCAA has decided to push that deadline even further out. Yesterday, the organization announced that the dead period for recruiting now would be extended through May 31st. The latest extension means that there will be no official or unofficial visits for football recruits, which are very common in the spring. Spring evaluations also won't take place, and basketball spring signees and transfers may need to make a big decision without even getting a chance to visit the school. And Iowa State coaches and other athletic department staff members are getting pay cuts for a year to help offset lost revenue from the pandemic. Athletic Director Jamie Pollard wrote on the Cyclones website that his department faces a $5 million shortfall this year because of the cancellation of the NCAA and Big 12 men's basketball tournaments. The payroll cut will save more than $3 million. There also will be a temporary suspension of bonuses for coaches, totaling another $1 million. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Today's mobile food pantry in Lexington will be conducted a little differently in light of the COVID-19 guidelines. Lexington School's social worker Christy O'Meara explains it will be conducted in an open-air, drive through fashion at the Lexington Middle School from 4 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. The food's going to be pre-boxed and pre-bagged, so the patron will not have to get out of the car. There will be volunteers that will help load the food into the car. Omira explains what each box contains. There will be a box of non-perishable items, so like fruits and vegetables, pasta, pasta sauce. There will also be a bag of produce, and then we will have bread and possibly a dairy product. More than 600 households could be served with the distribution. The food pantry is sponsored by the Food Bank for the Heartland. The governor has ordered Nebraska schools to remain closed to students through May 31st. His officials reported that the state's COVID death toll has risen to five. Students have been taking their classes at home via online classes since schools began closing last month. Governor Pete Ricketts' order ensures that students won't be returning to the close quarters of their classrooms. The COVID-19 pandemic has slowed the global economy as every country tries to slow the spread of the virus. In the U.S., many dining rooms are closed with drive throughs and curbside, the only food service options. Clay Platt... 
Clay Patton learns more about this and how it impacts the French fry demands. They go with almost any meal and have been an American hamburger staple sign for over half a century. But one of the leading potato processors in the U.S. believes there will be a big downturn in demand due to COVID-19. Lamb Watson, the potato processing company responsible for developing the water knife that's an industry standard for mass French fry production, says they lost nearly 50% of their Chinese French fry demand for a month when the country put on tight restrictions to slow the spread of the disease. Lamb Watson CEO Tom Weaver said the demand levels have returned to 70% of pre-crisis levels in China as the country slowly starts moving again. Lamb Watson shares have tumbled over 12% due to the lost demand. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Clay Patton. Kansas's top health official expects an influx of coronavirus tests in the coming weeks, and that should help with efforts to bring the pandemic under control. Dr. Lee Norman is a Kansas Secretary of Health and Environment. He reports that he expects to have up to 64,000 test kits that can produce results in 45 minutes. Health officials reported 482 confirmed cases of the virus in Kansas on Wednesday. That's up from 54 just a day earlier. 11 people have died in Kansas. Norman says more testing will allow experts to better analyze the virus's spread. And the Democratic National Committee is delaying its convention until the week of August 17th. The move comes after prospective nominee Joe Biden said he didn't think it was possible to hold a normal convention in July. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Did you hear about the milk dumping going on in Wisconsin? Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Fellow farm broadcaster Brian Winnikins shared with us an interview he did this morning talking about milk dumping. Joining us uh, right now on the phone from the uh, Center for Dairy Profitability is uh, Mark Stevenson as we uh, talk a little bit about the uh, milk dump that uh, started uh, really uh, a couple uh, days ago, uh, at least during the overnight and and in earnest yesterday across uh, Wisconsin with some dairy farmers. And Mark, good morning and thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Brian. Happy to be with you. I guess, Mark, first, uh, can you tell us about how many farms were involved and and about how much milk we're looking at? Well, I believe that it was about 10 farms that were initially asked to uh, pull the plug on the bulk tank, dump the milk. Um, They were larger farms, and I suspect that some of that just had to do with the logistics and made it a bit easier to... Um, you know, get the volume of milk that they needed um, off the system uh, with a few larger farms rather than dozens of smaller ones. So, um, you know, we we often sell milk at something that's called distress prices, and that's not milk dumping. We just find alternative markets where uh, a buyer will take it at a real discount. And milk dumping indicates we couldn't find that buyer. So, uh, I, I think that's a bit troubling for us right now. And and, and how is that uh, going to be troubling for the dairy industry? Well, obviously, it suggests that we've got more milk than uh, the system can handle uh, at this point in time. And it's not a lack of capacity. We've seen milk dumping the last four or five years in the Northeast and even over in Michigan. But, you know, that had to do with the fact they just didn't have enough processing capacity in the area. We've got enough processing capacity for the milk right now. But uh, I think the bigger problem is there's just no demand for product as everybody's shut in homes and uh, food services shut down. Um, 
cheese sales have declined rather dramatically for some processors, not all, but for some. And uh, that just means that uh, they don't want to make product that just sits in a cooler. Um, they would just rather not have as much milk coming in. Talking with Mark Stevenson, he's director for uh, the uh, Center for Dairy Profitability with the, the University of Wisconsin. Now, Mark, there, there's a lot of people they've 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 called me, they've sent me texts. You know, consumers going, "Well, wait a minute, uh, what do you mean there's no demand? I I want milk and I can't get it at the grocery store. There's none there, or I'm being told I'm only allowed to buy one gallon of milk. So there is demand, and you know there there shouldn't be a reason to to uh, be dumping milk. So can, can you kind of address that? Well, I'd be happy to try to. Um, yeah, we've certainly had plenty of stories of uh, milk being short on the on the shelves, which is a, a real turnaround because beverage milk has been a declining category for um, conventional dairy here for quite a few years. Uh, and now as we saw people getting ready to shelter here in homes, then uh, our buying habits changed a great deal. Um, we started buying things out of retail and cleaning off um, some products out of shores, uh, store shelves. Um, milk was one of those products, but um, those stockouts have been really pretty short in nature. Uh, we've been able to get a lot of product back into stores fairly quickly, so it's not been a prolonged stockout. And I also think that part of what's happening right now is uh, most of us have filled our pantries uh, with products, dry goods as well as refrigerated goods that we wanted and needed and now we're sitting in place and we're kind of eating out of our cache of, of food stores. So there's a little bit of lull right now in some of the uh, um, you know food that's been needed out of grocery stores. But that's going to change pretty shortly too. We're, we're going to run out of vegetables and, and fresh products like milk and dairy and we'll need to go back and replenish those too. We just have to let a system get back into better balance. And and when you mean running out of stuff, running out at home, we have to go back to the grocery store, right? Uh, precisely. And I think a lot of people are trying to, um, you know, just examine how many trips to the grocery store they want to make or do we save it all up and, you know, try to go in there and reduce our exposure to other people, too. I, I know I've certainly talked to the number of people that, you know, this is a concern for them. Um, how many times am I going to potentially uh, make myself uh, a target for the virus. Talking with uh, Mark Stevenson uh, this morning uh, from the Center for Dairy Profitability on the milk dump uh, situation going on in Wisconsin. Now, you know, Mark, you mentioned, you know, the demand's gone down, you know, because people have stocked up. Is it also, though, there's also, you know, for some fluid processing plants, they may may they may may milk uh, may make milk rather uh, for schools. That's in a carton. They can't really switch over to making milk to put in a gallon jug because it's just not possible for them. And, and that's also an issue, isn't it? Well, most of our beverage plants, uh, beverage milk plants, have multiple fillers. Some of those would be fillers for gallon jugs, and some of them would be fillers for smaller um, cartons uh, and you know specialty items. But I uh, also suspect that what we're going to be uh, seeing is that we catch up on some of those things more quickly. A portion of the interview with farm broadcaster Brian Winnikins as he talks about milk dumping in Wisconsin. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. 
Rely on KRVN for up-to-date information on COVID-19. From closings, the latest governor's press conference, and DHHS virus reports, we'll bring you the facts and latest news on the coronavirus. Visit our coronavirus information tab at krvn.com for up-to-the-minute local and state news, and tune in every weeknight at 5 p.m. for a special KRVN this evening. Depend on KRVN to keep you informed on COVID-19. COVID-19 coverage is brought to you by COZAD Community Health. With a business report on Bob Rogan, stocks are up modestly in trading on Wall Street, despite a report showing a record number of Americans lost their jobs last week due to the coronavirus outbreak. News from the Labor Department that more than 6.6 million people applied for unemployment benefits erased an early rally, but the major indexes were heading higher. The price of crude oil jumped 8% to $22 a barrel, which helped push the battered energy sector higher. Nebraska saw another record-setting surge in unemployment claims last week. The U.S. Department of Labor says Nebraska officials received 24,572 unemployment claims during the week that ended March 29th. The previous record of 15,700 was set in the prior week as state officials imposed tough new restrictions on businesses and residents hunkered down at home to keep the virus from spreading. Nebraska has now had about 40,000 jobless claims in the last two weeks, which is about as many as it normally gets in a year. President Donald Trump wants to spend $2 trillion on infrastructure projects to create jobs and help the collapsing economy rebuild from the coronavirus's stunning blows. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says that seems about right. That sounds like the prelude to a bipartisan deal, except that when it comes to trying to upgrade the country's road, rail, water, and broadband systems, Washington frequently veers off the tracks. Gas prices are falling due to COVID-19's impact on the global economy and the crude oil price war between Saudi Arabia and Russia. The national average for a gallon of unleaded gasoline dropped below $2 per gallon for the first time in four years, AAA reported Tuesday, with Wednesday's national average at $1.99. AAA says in Nebraska the average is about 12 cents less at $1.87, with the lowest prices found in Thurston County were unleaded averages $1.28 a gallon. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rob. It's a whole new world, especially when it comes to teaching college online. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network, especially when you're a hands-on university like we see at NCTA Curtis. Interim Dean Kelly Bruns and I talked about what they're doing at NCTA to make it easier for learning for students and the professors. I think one thing about NCTA that makes it unique is that we focus on hands-on learning and that is a an aspect that continually builds on each of the students' semesters while they're there. So while we uh, may have this little gap in our delivery now, we realize that many of those aspects that uh, we do on hands-on learning, we continually engage them throughout their uh, learning process. But right now, uh, to engage in this remote learning, many of our uh, instructors have gone to utilizing much of our equipment that we have on the NCTA campus, videoing that equipment, and then sending those videos out to the students relative to how they would set it up, Uh, a particular piece of equipment, say a sprayer. 
and many of our students come from farms, and then they can take those videos and interact with their own equipment on their farms and bring our instructors back questions. I think it's a unique way that you guys are thinking outside of the box, and maybe it's something that the ag ed teachers on the high school level, level will be able to see what you guys are doing and be able to, to take it into their classrooms as well. Well, I think this unique situation that puts us in um, engages us into utilizing the technology that's out there. And, and as you know, technology changes all the time, and it is hard for any of us to keep up with that change in technology. And when we come to a circumstance like we are now, we have the ability that forces us to use it, but then it develops that library per se that, yes, we can take that out to uh, students in our FFA chapters and our ag ed programs across the state. What about from an ag... I was reading your, your letter that you had um, sent out, kind of an update. Let's talk about the agribusiness management, because I love that they're doing that um, tip of the day on their coursework as well. Yes, Mary Rittenhouse is our instructors in ag business uh, systems management. She also teaches uh, macroeconomics and accounting and ag marketing. And, and the aspect of this tip of the day really involves students in a, in a new way to engage uh, students in entrepreneurship and critical thinking. And really the aspect really to, for students to quickly think about this and post their answer uh, is uh, a unique aspect. And I think from that, you'll see students bring different answers, different uh, uh, points of view that they may bring to that, which really allows them, when they engage in their online platforms, some additional discussions as to why somebody posted that. Well, I think the unique thing is how uh, we as instructors engage in our students and then how students become more comfortable in this form of engagement. Those comments this afternoon are coming from intern Dean Kelly Bruns, who is at NCTA Curtis. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Miss anything from Midday on KRVN? Well, don't worry. Subscribe to the KRVN Midday Podcast on iTunes, Android, or the TuneIn app for a recap in ag weather, ag news, sports, business, exclusive interviews, and the current local news. Subscribe and download the free KRVN Midday Podcast now. Hey, listen up, rodeo fans across the territory. Turn up 880 Friday evening between 5 and 6 bells for KRVN this evening for the TRU Top 5 Countdown. Monty James here with weekly rodeo news, standings, and shenanigans presented by V-Bar Trailer Sales, Broken Bow, Nebraska. 880 KRVN, 106.9 Kearney, and 98.5 Grand Island. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, as the grain settlement starts to roll across, corn trying to hold a little bit today with that positive energy markets, but really we've got a lot of global things to look at, and I start where we've talked the last couple days. It's the currencies, and Brazil right now is super cheap. Yeah, it's... <laughs> 
I'm kind of head in my hands here, and I, I don't mean that from a of a day of you know we had some positive things throughout the day that I liked, but um, I'm just baffled as how that story's going to turn around. I've, I've emailed a couple of people who are academics, and their their assurance is that it'll balance out somehow. But what is the dynamic that causes it to do that? And I, it, all I can really think of is that yeah, there's going to be a financial crisis in one of those countries. So it's it's. Um, that's kind of the next leg to drop here as we move forward in time. You can kind of pause things for a while when it comes to employment, by you know, paying employees to not work. But on the capital side, life moves forward, and that is what's essentially catching up to these markets right now with livestock, for example, um, and with, uh, you know, financials and currencies. Because you can, you can fake it with the stock market and slow earnings down and get everything kind of uh, matched up with liquidity levels. But when it comes to intermarkets, you know, Brazil, we, we're, no, we're no help to them right now, and they're in a free fall. So I worry, I worry here they're going to go under. Now, that might be a good thing for farmers because then those farmers won't maybe sell corn right away. Maybe they'll keep a lot of products off the market just because they don't, uh, don't want to sell it into their AI. As well, we did get some positive action in the corn here today. Can we maybe continue this? Do we hold specific levels of support? Where do we go from here? Well, I mean, 315 is, is probably the front month level. That was the low from 2012, I think, 2014. 2014, rather. Um, sorry, I'm getting my years mixed up. You know, looking at feeder cattle, I, I think, you know, seeing that free fall here, you would expect at some point, you know, giving cheap feed, you'd see cattle prices move higher. Um, but I think at this point, we're just trying to figure out, you know, some expectations here of when the economy can get going again. I think if they, if they came out and would say, like, the 30th, we're moving, things are going to open up, I think the markets would really, the commodity markets would steady out. But I think right now it's about leverage and, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit taken back with the, with the cattle market sell-offs, but uh, we closed the 2010 gap there just to throw a comment in real quick before I leave. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. If you'd like to learn more about any of the markets, danielzagmarketing.com is their website. Do remember trading futures and options involved risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. And that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcast on krvn.com or subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Brought to you by Deveni Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Deveni Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DeveniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Deveni deal.